Welcome to Ministry in Motion, where we explore best practices for your ministry in the 21st century. It's a real pleasure to welcome you to today's program. Today's program is for pastors, elders, deacons, anyone who's doing ministry in a local church and is leading. Today's very top special topic is servant leadership and it's part one of a special three series program. Now our guest today is Dr. Gordon Beats. Gordon, welcome. Thank you very much. I'm glad to be with you today. Yeah. Now, Gordon, you've had a, a long history in pastoral ministry, but right now you're the president of Southern Adventist University. I've been president there for 17 years, yes. Right. Terrific. Welcome. Thank you. Now, servant leadership, in many ways, that's an oxymoron, isn't it? Yes, um, like temporary tax increase. It's a word that just doesn't seem to make sense. Servant and leadership don't go together in our secular minds anyway. Yeah. But I think that that's a, uh, a principle of leadership that uh, Jesus gave to us in the Bible. Right. Where, where do we see it surfacing in the Bible when, when you read the Bible? Well, the most uh, clear location is when the disciples of Jesus, James and John, come to him and say uh, they want to be number one and number two in the kingdom. And it's in Matthew 20, 20 to verse 21. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons and kneeling down asked a favor of him. What is it you want, he asked. She said, grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. They were looking for positional status. Mm -hmm. they, uh, they wanted to be uh, prime ministers in the new kingdom. Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. The, there was a lot of excitement in the air. Everybody thought he was going to be the new person in charge. They'd, uh, they'd worked with him for many years, for two or three years. They wanted to be number one and number two. Yeah. And so they got their mother on the nominating committee. <laughs> and their mother went and asked the question, which is kind of interesting to me. Instead of going themselves, they got, they got mommy to go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And it was a very pious approach, like kneeling down before Jesus yeah. with this request. Yeah, I could imagine the two uh, disciples behind Jesus, uh, I mean, behind Mary, uh, Mrs. Zebedee, uh, mm. uh, asking, uh, asking this question. Yeah, yeah. The world, the world teaches us that we don't have any value unless we have a position unless I'm a, a president, unless I'm a vice president. Every, everybody wants to climb the ladder to success, but that wasn't the way of Jesus. And uh, James and John uh, didn't understand that at this point. Precisely, yeah. So as far as Jesus was concerned, it wasn't so much position. What was it in, in your mind that you see Jesus um, emphasizing and, and valuing? I think he values servanthood. He values the person serving another person, bringing the, uh, what should I say, the grace of God to other people rather than using the grace of God to somehow uh, feed your own ego. Yeah. And I think the disciples, you know, they were always competing for position. Mm. Uh, when they were sitting down at the Last Supper, you know, I want this seat, I want that seat, I want to be here, I want to be there. So it was a modus operandi, I think 
for, uh, for the disciples and they hadn't learned the whole point about Jesus coming. They were yeah. comparing themselves with each other. Yeah, and times haven't changed, have they, Gordon? They haven't changed at all. Yeah. When we uh, have a church, is your church bigger than my church? Are you preaching better than I'm preaching? Are you selling more tapes than I am? You know, comparing ourselves with others is, is not appropriate. There's another scripture that talks about comparisons. Uh, we do not dare classify, this is 2 Corinthians 10, 12. We do not dare classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise. So each of us are gifted, I think, by God, and we need to use our gifts, our spiritual gifts, rather than simply saying, your spiritual gift is what I need and, and, and comparing myself with, with you. So what, what happens when we do compare ourselves with others? We always find somebody that's better than we are. There's always somebody that can preach better than I can. There's always somebody that, can, that looks better than I do. They have a better sense of humor than I do. The strength is used by the strong. The beautiful are used beauty. The uh, money is used by rich people. Uh, brains are used by those that are smart. And, and we always lose. And so an individual who ends up living their life comparing themselves with other people is always on the short end of the stick. Yeah, yeah. It, it's not helpful. It doesn't develop and, and lead the body of Christ, does right. it? Um, it's, it's negative in every respect. The important thing is to focus on our spiritual gifts and what God has given us to do that to the best of our ability and leave the results, leave the position uh, to, to, the, to God. Yeah. And how would you suggest that we avoid making those comparisons? That's difficult. Yeah. <laughs> because we live in a world where everything is comparison. You know, whether you're rich, whether you're poor, whatever it is, you, it's, it's very difficult. And so I, I think we go back to focusing on who we're serving. We're not serving people, we're serving Jesus. And when our focus is on Him and He uh, gives us strength, I think that's when we aren't worried about what other people think. Yeah. You know, frequently I think we live our lives thinking, what is so-and-so thinking? What are, what are my congregation thinking? And so on. So I, that's one way, I think. Yeah, yeah. Now let's come back to that situation that Jesus encountered when um, Mrs. Zebedee with her sons, James and John. How did Jesus respond to that? And what, what was the, the outcome there? Well, the, uh, the outcome was initially Jesus didn't do anything. In other words, initially Jesus didn't say uh, that was a mistake, you shouldn't do that. He didn't do anything until uh, later on his other disciples complained about it. Mm -hmm. But Jesus said himself in Matthew 20, 23, to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they've been prepared by my Father. So Jesus was saying, it's not my job to make this decision. It's up to my father. Yeah. End of story, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. And as we, we've seen, it really was a naive thing to do, um, a, a lack of understanding and comprehension of the whole ministry of Jesus. Right. Yeah. 
After this short break, I want to come back and explore a little more about the emphasis that Jesus had upon servant leadership. Stay with us. We'll be right back with more of Ministry in Motion. Welcome back to Ministry in Motion. Our topic today is Servant Leadership Part 1 and our special guest is Dr. Gordon Beats. Gordon, just before the break we were talking about in Matthew chapter 20 how the, James and John and her mother approached Jesus with that special request, a request for position, for power, to sit at the left, on the left and the right hand of Jesus in the, the coming kingdom. What was the impact of that request upon the other disciples and how did they respond? Well, they responded probably like we would respond. Uh, you mean James and John got their mother on the nominating committee? That really makes me unhappy. And so the scripture actually says in Matthew 20, 24, when the 10 heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. Mm -hmm. So they were really unhappy. And it's interesting that Jesus didn't say to the disciples, you shouldn't try to be successful. Mm -hmm. The disciples thought that, James and John thought that they were going to be successful by being prime ministers, by being number one and number two. Jesus didn't say, you don't want to be number one and number two. Jesus basically said, it's right to want to do big things, but your methodology is wrong. The methodology of climbing the ladder to success, getting positional status, is not the way that you become really successful in the kingdom of God. If you really want to be successful in the kingdom of God, you serve others. You don't try to climb over others to get your own success. You know, everybody wants success. I don't know anybody who wants to be not successful. You know, you go to work, yeah. somebody doesn't go to work and say, hmm, today I'm going to really screw up. Yeah. You know, everybody wants to be successful. So Jesus doesn't say, don't try to be successful. He says, your methodology is wrong. You'd have a, there's a different way to be successful in the kingdom of God. And I think that <clears throat> we all need to learn that lesson. Okay. So obviously, and I agree with you, Gordon, no, no one votes for failure. No one says, pick me for the loser. Yeah. Um, so, and, and Jesus' methodology, methodology was servant leadership. What, what does that servant look like? What, what's the right methodology there? Let me use an illustration. And that is that when I, uh, when I first became the president of the Georgia Cumberland Conference, I thought, what's a way that I can best illustrate that I'm not here in a power position, but I'm here to be helpful to the conference? One way was to eliminate the president's parking space. You know, the, they had a president's parking space right in the front of the, I wasn't there half the time, but there was this spot, you know, president, mm -hmm. secretaries had to park in the back. And they, mm -hmm. It's a silly little illustration, but it's something that really communicated that I wasn't there to demonstrate my authority. The first people that I visited while I was becoming the conference president was all the secretaries in the conference. That is, those who served, because I think they're the ones that really made it work. I think there's lots of things that we can do as leaders that demonstrate we're not there to show off, 
We're not there to bring our own authority, but we're really there to serve the community. And I think we serve the community best when we serve those that are tend to be the least recognized. Yeah, yeah. Who really carry, shoulder the burdens of the day. And that's the picture of Jesus, isn't it? Um, he, he had the natural ability to, to reach out to the spectrum of society. But in, in doing that, he certainly reached out for the, the least privileged, the, the most underprivileged and, and the most struggling. That's, that's the picture of service and, and the servant that I get from the New Testament. There's a, a story about Mother Teresa. A visitor was watching her wrap the wounds of a leper. And the visitor said, you know, I wouldn't do what you're doing for a million dollars. And her reply was, neither would I. Exactly. It's yeah. not, I'm not there for the money. I'm there to serve. Yeah. I'm there to help other people. Yeah. And you point about the, the small things <clears throat> can be significant things. A car park, um, getting escorted to the front of a line. Yeah. Um, right. these, these types of things, they, they do damage the whole principle of service and, and equality that we're, we're seeking in Christ. And I think that they are uh, an indication of a person using a position for ego satisfaction as compared to using the position to strengthen others yeah. and to be an influence to others. Yeah. And it's easy to rationalize those, isn't it? You know, yes. like, uh, well, the, the president is busier than anyone yes. else on the campus, right. Right. You, you know, shouldn't they have, and it will just save a, a few minutes looking for a car park right. on a busy campus and yeah. that type of thing. It is easy to rationalize it. But uh, once again, it's, it's the importance of resisting that rationalization. And it doesn't destroy your influence. It builds your influence. Mm -hmm. It doesn't destroy your quote unquote authority or power. It builds your power because a person who is truly believed by the constituents, by the people, by the congregation, to care about them, that person is going to have influence. And influence is the essence of leadership. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's a, an amazing contrast when we compare, for example, Herod, who we know best as Herod the Great, yeah. with Jesus. Um, Herod, who did extraordinary things with building accomplishments, power, leadership, and we compare him to Jesus. Who's the one that people remember? Who's the one that's had the greatest impact on the planet? Right. It's not Herod the so-called Great, but it was Jesus, this, this peasant. <clears throat> the one who was crucified. Yeah. You know, we haven't actually gotten to the text yet that actually where Jesus is very specific he, uh, when the ten, they were heard about it, they were indignant. So what did Jesus do? Well, he had to call them together, all the disciples together. In verse 25 of Matthew 20, Jesus called them together and said, You know, the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. Their high officials exercise authority over them. And then he says, Not so with you. Mm. Whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. That's the essence of the oxymoron. Yeah. That's the essence of this doesn't compute in the normal Western mindset of climbing the ladder to success. Yeah. And the, the remarkable thing about Jesus was 
This wasn't some theory that he got out of a book. This is what he did. And what an extraordinary legacy. He gave his own life on behalf of the people that he was serving. And it's a perfect illustration, of course, as it's a perfect illustration of servant leadership. Yeah, exactly. Oswald Sanders pointed out that true leadership is achieved not by reducing men to one's service, but giving oneself in selfless service to them. Mm. And that is, I think, true leadership. Yeah, yeah. I'd like to explore that a little more with you, Gordon, because that, that is a very important part of what we're talking about. We'll be right back with more of Ministry in Motion. Welcome back to Ministry in Motion. Our topic today is Servant Leadership, Part 1. Our special guest is Dr. Gordon Beats. Gordon, just before the break, we were looking at a quote from Oswald Chambers about the importance of giving oneself in service. You know, servant leadership to me seems to be mostly about influence rather than position and status. Is that how you understand it? Yeah, I think John Maxwell is the person who uh, coined that phrase in a sense where he said leadership is influence. Mm. And at the end of the day, that's all it is. If you have no influence, I don't care what position you have, you uh, are not going to be effective in terms of being a leader. Now, your position can enable you to require people to do things, but that doesn't really result in people that are motivated toward the mission of the organization. So when people believe, I think, that you care about them, you're serving them, then they will respond to you as a leader and to the, to the mission of the organization. Right, okay. So you used an important phrase there, when you show that you care about others. Right. So that, that care for others is part of this as well? It's part of the whole idea of you're there again to serve. One of the, <clears throat> sometimes students come to me who are theology students and say, give me a, a phrase or give me a counsel as I go into my church or go to, into my work. I have three words I use. Love the people. Love the people. If the people know that you love them and care for them, mm-hmm. they will respond. Exactly. That's, why, that's why I tell new pastors to go and visit as soon as they get to their congregations. Once people see you, across the uh, coffee table and have a conversation with you and you pray for them, you know, they'll tolerate some bad sermons. (laughs) But if you really have a relationship, then you will have influence. And influence enables you to do most anything you want in that that congregation or in that organization. Yeah. So it's not so much the position or the power, it's the influence. And that influence is really motivated and strengthened by the care and the love right. that that person has. <clears throat> if, yeah. you, if you demonstrate that you really care and love the people, they will respond to your, your ministry, whatever, whatever that ministry is. Yeah. Now, Gordon, you were talking about a, a pyramid with me earlier. Mm-hmm. And there is a, a, a well-known structure, of a, a, a pyramid structure, Run that bias. 
There's a, historically, the way we look at leadership is that we have a pyramid with the leader at the top of the pyramid and all the minions are down below, you know, all the people who do the work. <clears throat> the reality is the pyramid needs to be turned upside down where the servant leader is the one at the bottom who serves the people above him. For instance, I'm the president of Southern Adventist University. I have six vice presidents. My job is to serve the vice presidents, to make sure that they have the tools to do the work, that they have the uh, intelligence, the training to do the work, and they get my support. I meet with them every, every month in a one-on-one -on -one session, and my last question before we have our, conclude our conversation is, and what can I do to help you? What can I do to help you do your work better? Mm. Because if they do their work well, I'm doing my work well. The whole institution is prospering. And so I'm serving the vice presidents. They, in turn, serve their directors. They, in turn, serve the students or whoever they have in their line of, of, of authority. So everybody is serving the other person rather than everybody telling the other person what to do. Yeah. When I, when I first became president of Southern Adventist University, I had never been president of a university. I had not a lot of uh, information about educational theory, and I had to depend on the people that were there. And so I tried to make them as, effect as effective as I could, and I depended on what they had to say and, and the and directions they chose. And, and that's what I think has made our university successful, because, uh, in fact, someday I'm going to write a book, Leadership for Dummies. Okay. I, I went in there as a dummy. I didn't know the answers. I had to depend on the people around me. And that, and that gave them influence, and it, it gave me influence, and it worked. Yeah. You know, it's interesting, even looking at the, the early Christian church, the church was, in many respects, its most successful when there wasn't a whole heap of manuals mm -hmm. and resources. But, but they served one another, right. they loved one another, and they ministered. As illustrated in the book of Acts at the very beginning, you know, they uh, held everything in common. Yeah, yeah. They were, they were a family. Exactly. And I think I, we need to think of our organizations, our institutions like that too. Yeah. As families. Yeah. So leadership is influence. And it's, it's remarkable. If, if I can share this too. In, in Sydney, there was this guy there, a homeless man. In, for all Australia, he's very well known. His name's Arthur Stace. And he was illiterate, but he learnt to write one word not even his name, but he learnt to write the word eternity on footpaths and sidewalks. And the whole city was captured by this word eternity. No one knew who was writing it, but everyone was focused on eternity. So much so that when the, 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 the time changed in the year 2000, that was what was put on the Sydney Harbour Bridge. A, a homeless man, no position or power, but had enormous influence over a city of five million people. Well, it went viral, right? Exactly. And, exactly. and isn't it amazing the things that go viral today? And I think that many times uh, it's that selfless service that someone finds in a person or in a community that uh, really captures the attention of the larger community. Exactly. 
You know, when we think about power and control, I remember the first conference president that I had years and years and years ago, when you went to shake hands with him, he would take your hand and he would pull you off balance. And that was his mechanism of showing who was in charge. Okay. You know, he would squeeze your hand hard and he would pull hard and pull you off balance. And I, I always thought back of that, about how that was a kind of inappropriate way to demonstrate who was in charge. Yeah. But in, instead, that the Jesus model, rather than pulling people off balance, it's that well-known illustration of service washing feet and, and being an influence through love and that way. We just reconstructed the office of the president in, uh, at Southern Adventist University and we have established the theme as servant leadership with a picture of Jesus washing the feet of his uh, disciples. Wonderful. Thanks so much, Gordon. And thanks so much for joining us today on Ministry in Motion. Join us next time on Ministry in Motion.